0: Hello, this is Matt from Virtual Pair Programmers. And I'm Richard from Virtual Pair Programmers. Well, that didn't work, did it? That's our entry point. Can can I just say, for the listeners out there, if there are any, we've just spent the last half an hour discussing how do we start this podcast. (laughs) Well,
1: we're so used to working from scripts that we've maybe
0: worked on for six or seven weeks, so to just do it off the hip like this is... It's quite a challenge for us. It is, and Richard has this idea that we're not going to edit what we say on here. So if this stays in, we can't do it. Let's restart this. Hello, I'm Matt and welcome to the first podcast from Virtual Programmers. So it is our first podcast.
1: It's 2017. We've been in business for nearly 10 years.
0: What took us so long in doing a podcast? Well, I think we've reached the technology of podcasting, <laughs> as it's probably going out of fashion. I imagine always already out of fashion. Is that? No, um, that's not fair. Is it? <laughs> potentially. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of
1: businesses doing probably more video podcasts these days, and we will, I think, go to a video podcast. That's the general plan. But we're starting as simple as possible. But yeah,
0: why haven't we done podcasts?
1: What what stopped
0: us? I think that. We sort of know what we're good at, right? And it doesn't feel to me like up until recently we've thought we'd necessarily be good at this. True. So why is that? And I think it's... we, We teach in a... Way where we can go back and repeat something and edit something and say, Well, actually, I'm yeah. not sure that really made sense. Let's redo that. Yes. So it's not a completely natural <clears throat> style. Mm-hmm. It's not like teaching in front of a live audience. So yeah. I guess this is trying to have a conversation. Yeah. We, we've talked for a while <laughs> about we should record our conversations. Yes,
1: yes. Um, Absolutely. So I'm inspired very much by, so going back 10 years now, roughly about the time virtual pair programs were starting, Stack Overflow was starting as well. And Jeff and Joel, the founders of Stack Overflow, decided they were working on opposite sides of America. So they had a weekly team meeting by Skype, I think, and they decided they would simply record that and use that as a podcast. So it was basically an hour and a half of Jeff and Joel showing off about how clever they are and being very pompous but there was actually a lot of interesting stuff in there as well and they didn't edit, they just shot from the hip and I think they had an agreement that okay, we're going to need to talk financials, we won't include that in the podcast but everything else apart from that we'll just leave it in so there was no need for scripting there was no need for editing and it was a fascinating podcast, it's still running today but it's nothing like as interesting but I'm very much inspired by that
0: So were they talking about where they were taking their business and what challenges they had and that yep,
1: kind of thing. They were, it was completely from the hip. So yeah, there was a lot of that. But then they drift off into other things. They talk about the industry, what it's like to be a software developer. That was probably most of it actually. And and. It was a fascinating, and you did you got a lot of insights into what what kind of decisions they were making in scaling up a a, a
0: business, and we should do the same. Yes, I mean, what their business at that point? Because obviously, this is before things like Stack Overflow careers. So their business at this point was to create a new forum, right? A new way of doing forum type things. Yeah, it was going for... to be a combination of
1: forum and the um, the Reddit style.
0: Commenting, time. commenting, and upvoting yeah. and downvoting. So it was a combination. So it, of it was a yeah. So they, but their business was presumably to generate advertising revenue to fund that, was it?
1: I have no idea. Certainly, Jeff Atwood would have simply been into the vision of doing a better version of Expert ex, Experts Exchange. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That was that was very much his driver. I guess Joel possibly had a bigger had a bigger idea where they were going
0: to take it. But uh. yes, okay. So that was interesting from a these guys are running a business point of view. Mm-hmm. Were they talking mm-hmm. techie stuff? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they were talking a lot about what it what what is it to be a good software
1: developer, and what should software developers be doing to improve themselves and right. the usual opinionated stuff from Joel Spolsky, but some real real good yes. so that's a decision we need to make is this podcast going to be about virtual pair programmers the business or is it going to be about java or is it going to be about the
0: jvm ecosystem or is it going to be about software development you see my i'm going to regret saying this but my instant reaction to that is it should be sort of about all of them actually but it's you know okay somebody said to me recently that young people today aren't on Facebook right Facebook is for our generation right the the I'm gonna say here the older people yeah yeah, the 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 over 35s let's say (laughs) let's be generous right because all the young people they're on Instagram and whatever are these you know snapchats the new things that we don't get as older people and but the people who are on these things they live their life through social media Mm -hmm. and actually from what you've just said about Stack Overflow, maybe what's interesting about it is the fact that they're not just talking about one aspect, they're talking about their lives, or an aspect of their lives, their yeah, yeah. yeah, business lives. And maybe that should be what we're trying to do. Yeah. Talk about you know the issues we have in running a business, the things we're working on, the issues when we're building our own software for our own business that we're coming across. Great. Right, yeah. um, plus, of course, and yeah, absolutely what's happening in the industry when we go and meet other people and we learn things. Let's, you know, talk about that and as well. So let's live our lives through this medium. As I said, I'm going to regret saying that. but <laughs> Yeah,
1: and as Stack Overflow did, it, it's effectively a team meeting, but we may as well record it. And there you are, we've got some free material.
0: Excellent.
1: (laughs) Um, So, obviously, the big news in Java circles right now is Java 9. And I know you know quite a lot more about it than I do, but we both attended a a hack day. What would it be, about two weeks ago now? Yes, two or three weeks ago, yes. So we went to London, and we were on the 24th floor of a very swanky building, fantastic view. Um, And it was a full day with about 50... 50 Pretty Serious Java Hackers. We, we gave
0: Java 9 a good road test. So, so I think it's fair to say we gave parts of Java 9 a good mm-hmm. road test. And one of the things I have no clue about is what really is in Java 9. So I feel like I know about three aspects of Java 9, which mm-hmm. are the bits they covered on the hack day. Sure. Um, and I guess they are the bits that are most in the news because of the fact that they either aren't working yet properly, or there is some controversy about the way that they're being done. Yes. Um, but I mean, it, it's interesting because I think compared to... My sense of it is going from Java 7 to Java 8, uh-huh. there wasn't that much in Java 8 that was of great... Okay, the things in Java 8 were big, right? So the idea of Lambda functions, you know, yeah, was absolutely. a big, big issue, but it wasn't a breaking change. It was a no. new toy that you could, that you could optionally use if you wanted to go down the functional route. If you didn't, then ignore it. Absolutely, and there there is a use for it. I mean, I was talking to somebody actually, funny enough, at that Hack Day, who was saying, "Well, the the advantage of streams is for multiple processor yes, sure. processing."
1: Oh, and I love functional programming, so it's it's a great thing to have. It was a big thing. It was a big deal, but it wasn't something that was going to cause you pain if you didn't want it if you had no interest in in functional fine not a problem but exactly the the thing that we're we're, we're skirting around is there is a a long list of features in java 9 I've, i've got i've actually got a list in front of me but the monster in java 9 is of course jigsaw uh it has a sunday name as well it has a formal name
0: yes the java, java
1: platform module system i think jpms i think that sounds right so no one will call it that it's going to be jigsaw and i mean it's hugely controversial i think it was slated for for, for java 7 possibly even java 6 and my memory doesn't go back that far but it has been delayed and delayed and delayed and we assumed it was a definite to be in java 9 and yet well, so, uh,
0: the, the current news, so today is the 18th of May, and 2017, and the current news at this point is that the Java Committee has had the vote on whether or not it is, I guess, ready for release, that's a layman's way of describing it, and the vote did not go in favour. So, I think they actually need a two-thirds majority. Yes. And it was something like 13 against 10-4, it was that kind of proportion. Um... And some of the very big, well-known names like IBM and Red Hat have voted against... at the hack day they sort of demonstrated it and it seemed quite good to be honest with you i mean the the idea we'll talk maybe a bit about what the idea of modularization is but you know i felt at the hack day yeah like okay this sort of works i can see the idea Uh i then came away and tried to use it to convert a system that we use internally at virtual programmers um to try and make it modular I thought well let's give it a go on some real software that we've built and we understand well and it's not that big a program but it would it would suit working in a modular way and it's a Spring Boot application okay so um, the immediately you encounter all sorts of issues and they range from the fact that the IDEs are not yet ready for Java 9 and for modularization so you cannot have Two modules in a single project in any IDE at this point, right. as far as I understand. It's certainly in uh, Eclipse, IntelliJ, They're, they can't cope with it. And in fact, Eclipse have said you'll never be able to do it. So every module will be its own project. In really? Eclipse. Yeah. And every module will be its, its own, own project. project. Which is not, at first view, a major issue.
1: No, that sounds reasonable. We should explain before we go on, I guess, what a module, a module is
0: and- yeah. Do, do you want to have a go at that, or shall I? Ugh. <laughs> no, no, you go. Okay, so, so the way I see it is that modularization is trying to really solve the same problem that uh, microservices solves. So it's, rather than having a monolith application all in one big JAR file, it's a way of splitting it up into smaller self-contained units. Well, of course, we already
1: have JAR files in it, so an, an average application in Java might be composed of, like, 50 or more... Yes. JAR files, but the problem is JAR files are a very weak form of modules, in that at runtime all the classes inside the JARs all get unpacked and they all get combined together and there's absolutely at runtime there's no separation between the JAR files at all, so yes. a class so. in any JAR file can go and look at, can, can start calling the methods of a class in any other JAR file And you can get horror. I mean, every Java developer has had jar file hell where you accidentally end up with two versions of the same framework in a jar and you get runtime
0: crashes and all sorts of horrible things. So this is a way of... It's a way of dealing with that, so you get better what they call encapsulation. So it's actually still driven by jar files, but they've changed the structure of the jar file to make this work. But you get better encapsulation. So, so the way and the way it works is there's new Java syntax. Yes. So when you
1: write a package, I think it's at the package level. Is that right? It is. Yes. You have a a, a companion file. I forget what they call the file. Uh, module-info.java, I think. So it is a a compiled Java file. It's not an XML file or anything like
0: that. Um, It has its own syntax format, but it is compiled to a .class file. That's Mm -hmm. correct, yes. And this defines what parts of this
1: package, I keep calling the package, it's a module. It's a module, What parts of this module are going to be exported to the outside world and which parts are going to be private.
0: That's correct. And actually, there's an extra little bit there, which is worth understanding, because this is where part of the issues come from, which is that modules can be dependent on other modules. Yeah. And the idea is that you can say, for example, in due course, um, some of the logging frameworks, so say log4j will be a module, yeah. and you can say, I'm writing a module that has a dependency on the log4j module, and that allows me to use it. Okay. And so, the people behind log4j, to make that work, they will say in their module-info.java, these are the classes that we are allowing you to call mm-hmm. from your code. These are the ones mm-hmm. that are public, and everything else is hidden. Yeah. Um, the, the One of the ideas, though, is just to finish this a little bit off, is that in the monolith application made up of lots of JAVs today, in, if you've got your single jar which is your entry point to the application, the bit you're going to run, if you change any of the underlying jars, you've got to recompile the, the, the header jar, haven't right. you? Okay. Whereas in a module-based application, you don't. So you can swap out one or more of the jars for a newer version. You don't have to recompile anything other than the jar you're swapping out. Right. Now, right now, you do still have to restart your application. Right. So, there isn't like a hot swap thing, which some other modularization frameworks have. <laughs> and we'll okay. talk about that probably <laughs> in a bit more detail. But, but at least you only have to recompile. So, if you're working in, so if, for example, there is a new version of log4j, mm-hmm. and we decide, well, we're going to upgrade to that new version, all you have to do is replace that one jar file. There's no compiling required. It should seamlessly work. So the dependency is on a, do you see what I mean? So 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 whereas in today's application, you would have to recompile. You'd have to
1: re, I'm not sure about that. You could just swap the jars around in the lib directory. You could rerun a Maven without recompiling, I think.
0: I get, I get the general. You get the general. I get so the, the idea general. is, it's a much easier process to replace a module. Yeah. Yes. So the well, other, sorry, the other yeah. thing about that as well is that if you're building your system so that you're using different third-party components, and one requires a particular version of, let's say, Log4j, yeah. and a different component requires a different version uh-huh. of Log4j, today that gives you real problems. Yeah. In the future, that will also be possible. You can say this module uses this version of the module that module uses another version of the module. And
1: they're in their own class loader systems. so they, Exactly. They right, yeah. great. So going back then to the Eclipse problem, um, you're saying that for some reason Eclipse will never support. So in a project, there's going to be one module.
0: Yes, and actually the, the way it works in Eclipse is you're only allowed one module-info.java file Which per project. Which
1: sounds reasonable because it the does. idea of a module is it's going to
0: be... Uh, an isolated single unit of development. So, the issue then comes with the fact that we talked about the fact that modules expose what are the public interfaces to that module? What are the external classes you're allowed to call? And there's another level as well, actually, which is called services. So, you could create a module that exposes a typical Java interface, and say another module that can implement that interface and there is syntax within the module info system to say i can consume this module and provide an implementation for it sure so there's a whole like dependency system that's built up around what i can expose what i can ex- what i can consume and so on yeah. If you're building a module in Eclipse, and you're building a module that is going to consume another module, or have a dependency on another module, Mm -hmm. for the syntax checking to work, Eclipse has to know about that module. Right. And the only way today it can do that is if you've compiled that module to a JAR file, and put it in as a reference, reference library. You're making the noise. (laughs) So there is no, right now, because Eclipse has this requirement for single module projects, You can't, Mm -hmm. there's no obvious way around it. Sure. Now, okay, so if in what I was working on, that's not a major problem. I can build a module as the, you have to think about it then in terms of your tree, and you start at the bottom of the module that has no dependencies and work upwards, but you can do that. Uh, It's not ideal, but you can do it. When you start trying to edit two modules simultaneously, because you're building an application, then it becomes really horrible because you have to keep Building new jar files to replace the ones that are dependencies—it's horrible, but we can mm. live with that. Mm. Um, but then the issue comes to okay. Well, this is a Spring Boot application. I can't build at the moment a module in Eclipse easily. Mm. So actually, that's not quite true. But you need command line parameters to the Java C compiler mm-hmm. to say this needs to be built as a module. Okay, it's not the out of the box compile. So Okay, we can sort of do that in Eclipse, obviously, but it's not completely straightforward. But in order to build a module, you have to tell it... Sorry, in order to build the the top-level entry point to your application, you have to tell it it's... And it doesn't call it a class path. There's a new word for it now to describe... Probably module path, actually, I'm guessing. But you have to tell it where are the modules that it has the dependency on. Right. Um... And so you need a file structure that supports building modules or the jar files that you're creating to a particular location that the other project can then access. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you create this whole file structure that doesn't really work in a traditional workspace, right? Right. So you need a file structure that sits somewhere out of Eclipse for Eclipse to access, and it, it gets very, very messy. But then actually, you realize when you come to build your application, the whole thing falls apart because Maven doesn't work. Right, mentions. well, that
1: was the, at the hack day. Nobody mentioned build tools. Um, Ant, Maven, Gradle, none of them got any reference at all. But all the way through, I was thinking, well, this is great, but without the tool structure that we have, this, this is all a non starter. But I'm, I'm reading today, just today in, in InfoWorld actually, that the Oracle's Java chief debunks misconceptions about Java 9. And the headline states that the new version of Java will work with Maven and favorite libraries, and code conversion won't be required. So that comes from, I guess it's yeah, it's Mark Reinhold himself. Um, now, you have done a project in Java 9, and the first thing you said to me
0: was, it doesn't support Maven. Okay, so I think the key word, in the sentence you just wrote out there, was the word will. It will work. I don't think it does today, or certainly it didn't the day I tried. And the issue is, is that if you're running a Spring Build project, so your dependencies are defined in Maven, you've got to really build your application with Maven. Otherwise, uh-huh. you're writing a script yourself, which is what you would have to do today, to say, I want to compile this this um, this application that has a dependency on these modules, and of course, all its Maven dependencies. Yes. Now, using Maven... It, does download all the spring dependencies, and it hides them somewhere on your file system, yeah, that yeah. you've got to go digging to see where they are if you're going to write this yourself. Yes. So in order to build your application with Maven, you've got to be able to write um, something in your pom.xml that says, this needs to be compiled as a module. And as far as I can see, there is nothing right now in the Maven syntax that lets you do that. Okay. Now, it, the word, as I say, was will. I'm sure it will work, because it have to, otherwise.
1: From what I can tell, and I really only just skim, skim read this article, he does seem to be saying that it works today um, because he's, he's saying there are some problems with Maven plugins, including a minor problem with the testing plugin. So it's kind of implying that... But the, 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 this is the point. It's not clear, I don't think, what the real impacts of Java 9 is going to be. And, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of on top of this, and we've done hack days on it and all that, and we're still not sure. Now, up until now, it's always been the case that, in general, a Java project, if you upgrade from one Java version to another, in general, it will, in the main, work. Yes. It will compile and it will run just fine. And that's been a joy. It doesn't feel
0: like that's going to be the case with Java 9. Well, I got the sense that it will be the case, because it's only if you try and do things in a new Java 9 way, you're going to have these problems. If okay. you took an existing Spring Boot project, compiled it with a Java 9 JDK and run, it will run fine, including Maven. OK. So it's the modular bit that I think was a problem. Uh, because actually, my first step in this process was to say, well, I've got Java 9 now on my machine. Let's just try and run it. And I, I seem to remember it ran fine. Okay. And there is a... I remember they mentioned this at the Hack Day. There was a command line option you can put in your compile, which says ignore any Java nine specific aspects to make sure it runs. Yeah, but didn't
1: they call it a
0: kill switch? That's right. It, it, it it's it's uh, a short term thing that's going to only be there for Java nine and will be gone allegedly by Java ten. Yeah, well, I
1: I don't know if you remember, but when when the the develop there was one of the developers of of, of Jigsaw there or of the reference implementation, and and he said. We, we have a command line option and it's dash kill switch or something like I can't yes. remember now. But there was an audible groan <laughs> from everybody in the room and, and the reaction was, there is absolutely no way I'm going to get pa- that past my operations guy who's just going to say, what on earth are you doing putting kill switches into production code? And it, it was a terrible choice of... Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if they have changed it by... The time of release yes clearly it things are up in the air we don't even know if it's going to going to make the july release date it was july the something
0: so yeah, so i mean the the i guess the options there are either it will make it even though it's not perfect and they'll be providing patches reasonably quickly to improve it it won't they will take jigsaw out mm-hmm. um or it they will delay i mean those i guess they're the options but with so many people voting against and I think what's interesting there is that, you know, sort of IBM voted against and IBM I guess are the owners of of the OSGI, which is an existing modularisation platform, or at least strong promoters, if not the owners. I don't know Well it's quite a what the relationship again. Is, but, so
1: it would be a, a similar structure, I guess. Right. I don't know much about OSGI. But no. So they'll be a member.
0: So it. so as I see it, Oracle have sort of complained a bit that they think IBM's voted against is because they haven't adopted OSGI and Red Hat are trying to be the the big guys on this and saying look we all need to sit around a table and make this find a way to make this work so it's uh, interesting the politics uh, going on in the background sorry. it is so um,
1: interestingly the 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 group that 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 were hosting the hack day was the London Java community and they are members themselves of the expert committee yes and after that hack day they voted against as well based on what had happened at the hack day but they were quite soft about it they said you know, it's not far off. We only need a few few of our
0: fears laying, and then we will vote in favour, so... Yes. But I think, you know, to the, I've got a sense that... In order for this to be adopted, it's got to work seamlessly with the tools. And that's not just the build tools like Maven, it's the IDEs, it's got to be easy to use. And one of the, I mean, even little things like the fact that to create a module, it has a different file structure from what we're used to seeing in a standard Java project. So yeah, you have this module-info.java, but you have to create, if your package is called, for example, this is the one I'm using, accounts. It's our, yeah. one of our accounting systems that I've been playing with. Then you've got to create a folder called com.virtueprogrammers.accounts. Oh, yeah. As well yeah. as... The folder itself has dots in it. Exactly. Hey, yo! Exactly. Yo. It, it, as, well as, as well as you also still need the full then com and then another folder with the next oh, one and another folder. So you've got a very different file structure, which... There's no option in Eclipse or any of the IDs right now to say new Java module, there's only Java project, yeah. and then you have to go and start hacking the file structure to make it work mm-hmm. and say which bits are in the build and which bits aren't. It's, it's, mm. Nothing's easy at this stage. Okay. Now I'm sure that by the time of release, there will have to be a new version of Eclipse and all these, these IDs built, ready to deal with that and I'm to surprised make it easy. that they
1: haven't, because there's been early access versions of Java 9 in fact Jigsaw has had a reference implementation for years so I'm very
0: surprised that Eclipse don't have all of this sorted ready but for I'm July or whatever well they might do but I, just, I, I get the sense that some of this stuff hasn't been that stable that they've been playing with things like file structures I might uh, be wrong there yeah, right. uh, which would of course stop them doing it for an early release okay. um, well it's clear that
1: there is a lot of confusion in this area, and it's going to take quite a while for the confusion to settle down. I think we should be pledging to we're going to do a Java nine course. It'll be a small course. We'll do a we'll do a early yeah. It's reviewer. an upgrade. It's an upgrade yeah. course, isn't it?
0: But I guess th- there's got to be something going around there about a lack of confidence because even if they fix everything to be released for Java nine and they get a unanimous vote by the Java mm. committee members to say yeah, this is ready for release and we want it. How much confidence do we have that they can overcome all these issues in the few weeks that are left? Sure. To me, I think they've probably shattered a bit of confidence out there. And it's interesting that, yes, the, the London Java Group are supportive of the changes and saying there's just a little bit more work needed. Yeah. Clearly, some of the other Java Committee members are not so positive. So, cards on the table. We're
1: not members of the Expert Committee, unfortunately. But <laughs> if you were... What would
0: your opinion of Jigsaw be today? So I like the concept. It's clearly not release ready. And I'm only saying that because I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with Jigsaw. I'm saying that all the tools that need to support it are not there yet. And until they're there and you can have a Seamless experience as a programmer, so you're not worrying about file structures because that's done behind the scenes, like it is today. Until we get to that point, it's not release ready for me. Okay. Um, but I think the idea is, I have no issues with the idea, and at least it will be optional whether or not you build a modular application or a standard application like you would today. Sure. Uh, which that's fine, for me. What's okay. your view? Um,
1: my view. Well, I was going to say I have, I, I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it because. This is a solved problem. Obviously modularization is a no-brainer. We you know, we, we talk about it a lot on our previous courses, coupling, cohesion, all that kind of thing. We we have a microservices course where the whole point of that is the equivalent of a module in jigsaw we are deploying as a standalone um, a standalone application in fact to a machine to its own standalone machine. We do we you know modularization yes is great and tools to help us be more modular are great as well but it's a long solved problem we've had osgi for 16 years or something (laughs) it's there and it works and anybody who wants it can use it and now we have this committee-led exercise which is (sighs) It feels like this has been enforced on us if we want to move to... I know you're saying it's an optional, but I, I still can't quite understand that. I don't get it. And it feels it feels very ham-fisted. It, it's the usual committee-led sort of half-baked solution that isn't as good as other solutions that exist, and there's confusion abounding so I don't like it what I do like however the thing we've we've not talked about is the other part of jigsaw it should be a separate thing really but they've sort of mixed it all in is that the Java virtual machine itself is going to be modular so <laughs> why do you like so why do you like that Richard well one of the principles of software engineering is is uh, efficiency and it is a nonsense that any Java application today, up to Java 8 that you run, has to run with the entire set of Java libraries. So we have a web application running right now. As Soon as you start up the virtual machine for your web application, you've also got on the class path effectively, it's not quite that, but it's there, it's loaded into RAM the entire graphical user interface library in Java, Swing, in case anybody, I mean, almost nobody uses Swing these days, but it's there, it's there in the libraries, it has to be loaded into memory when your virtual machine starts up, which is just incredibly inefficient, incredibly wasteful. It's not a great big deal, but it's there. So the idea is now you will build your own virtual machine which only has the components that you need. That's got to be a good thing. I, I, I'm not familiar with the mechanism for doing it or how well it does it, but the principle is a very sound one.
0: So my sense on this is, okay, it's a sound principle. I, I get what you're saying there, but will it give any practical benefit or even be used? So let me, if I can tell you why I'm asking that question. Um, in reality, if I'm building a Java application that I am going to do one of two things with, I'm either going to deploy it to a server or I'm going to be giving it to a customer. Okay, you might. There are other things, of course, you can do with Java applications, but let's just start with those two. Yeah. Um, deploying to a server would a smaller JVM? How much of a difference is that going to I make? I think it could be
1: significant because um, I mean we tend to think of servers as being massive machines with a lot of a lot of RAM, a lot of but I mean, for example, microservices, we want to be able to. I mean, we'll leave Docker and containers and, and so on out of the equation, but let's assume, as we do on the microservices course, we want to deploy a module to a single instance on something like Amazon Web Services. We want to be able to run that on the smallest possible instance we can for efficiency, for cost savings. So, it, It it is the case that the the smallest instance you can get on Amazon is a T2 Nano instance, and it will run Java, and it will run Java quite well. But it's not very difficult to make that JVM run out of memory, and it just crashes at runtime. Okay. For example, if if you're wanting to use a T2 Nano to host a Jenkins server, it's just not quite beefy enough. It eventually runs out of RAM. So I believe I have not tested this, I have not measured it in any way, but if you could run a smaller virtual machine that only has the bits in that you need for a web application, I believe that would be much, much easier to run on a small instance.
0: So, Okay, so I think you've identified there actually a really good use case then for this. Um, Because where I was gonna go with this was that Right now, and this may be something that changes, um, if you say you're developing on a Windows computer, you can create your, I'm calling it a cut down version of the JVM, so your, your JVM that only contains the parts that you need for your application and of course, any dependencies that those parts need. So you end up with a JVM that genuinely will be a lot smaller than the standard JVM, but if you're using a Windows machine, you can create a Windows JVM, because it's creating it as a subset of the JVM on your machine. So for you to then run it on a server, on an Amazon server that's running some Linux variation, you will need to create your JVM to cut to run on that server, I'm not clear oh. about that. So, what you're talking about here is um,
1: a new feature of Java nine called JLink, which is doing the equivalent work of old-fashioned linkers, if you if you remember those. I don't. Um, now, <laughs> uh, what I'm not clear about is is that separate to the
0: cut down that so so the the modular JVM business. So, my understanding is that is the way to create oh. your own. JVM containing only the modules that your application needs. I
1: hadn't realized that because I don't I don't want to do that. I don't want to so all all as far as I could tell all this linker thing is doing is it's it's just embedding a it is embedding the JVM which is of course platform specific. Yes. into into a, a kind of a a packaged it's not doing anything particularly clever. People were getting...
0: No, it, I suppose it's working out what the dependencies are, so it knows which bits it needs and which yeah. bits it doesn't. I, I guess that's what it's doing. Yeah. Uh, but that is the mechanism today, at least. Now, I suspect... I've written a draft blog post about this, so there'll be more details, hopefully, on my blog coming up. But right. I suspect that, actually, to make this work, what will happen is that there will be publicly available cut-down JVMs for things like... Typical Spring Boot application. Yes. So right. if you're building a standard Spring Boot web application with JPA and MySQL and whatever dependencies are, then you can say, go and download that JVM for your Linux server, and that's the right JVM to run. That's my guess. Well, I was
1: thinking it was more, It the, JV, the JVM wouldn't have the, so up until now, there's a big monolithic jar file called rt.jar that has the entire... The entire standard class library inside. Yes. So you get a smaller version of that. Yes. So you wouldn't have Swing in. You wouldn't have. Um. I can't think now. All those things. I mean, there's Absolutely. millions of classes. Yes. So I, I like that idea. I think what people were getting annoyed about was, oh, this is destroying Java's
0: platform independence. No, but it it's isn't it's at all. It's, it's not. But the the issue, of course, is that you've got to create. The version of the JVM or the cut-down version of the JVM you want so what, for the platform to... you're going to run it in, absolutely. absolutely. And absolutely. you need a tool that's going to let you do that. Sure. Um, which I said, I suspect someone will come up with that tool. I
1: thought that was JLink. I thought that.
0: No. So JLink does it for the particular uh, JVM on your machine. And what I think they were trying to say was that if you were going to be providing this, running this Java application on a server, you would need to create, use JLink, and recompile your code with JLink using a machine that had the same JVM, or at least the same operating right. system, which, you know, okay, it's a bit messy, but I think somebody will solve that, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm quite confused about the whole process, but it, it mm. looks, that, 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 to looks me, okay. that to me looks quite promising. The, the other thing, though, that, that just, and I'm just kidding, it's it's a solvable problem, but I don't know whether it's been solved just yet, which is, what happens when there's a patch for Java? So how does... The cut down JVM get updated should you want it to be updated? Mm-hmm. Do you have to create a new one? Do you patch your machine first and then create your new? Right. So that's not clear yet. I've not okay. seen I've not looked that hard, but I've not seen anything about sure. it. But that's a solvable problem. Okay. Um okay. so it's exciting anyway,
1: and I think we should be doing a promise. We we do tend to be a bit slow in developing courses, but I think this one we could do it quite quickly from the day of release of Java 9, we'll get we'll get something together. It might only be an hour or two. Yes. But if we can do a, a Java 9 quick start to to solve some of these confusions, and I'm still confused. Yes. And I've done quite a bit
0: of studying on it. So if we could do a course on that, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. I think we can't... It's difficult to start it today because things aren't oh, stable. Oh, sure. And then they're, we they're will, moving. So. We will start on the day of
1: release, of yes. the formal release, because... Yeah, even at the hack day with the with the developers there, they were still unsure about some things that were gonna gonna make the make
0: Well, the to be fair, they were asking for feedback, so the, there was a quite a complex Google Docs document they wanted people to add feedback to, which Four actually- weeks before it's just I know, but that, but they were using that as the basis actually for the feedback they then gave which led to the vote against the release sure, of jigsaw the yeah. but the, the, they were saying does this work and is there are there any suggestions as to how it could work better mm. so so you know java is not so java 9 is, is not signed off it is still being developed and worked on yeah. and that's the point so uh, it, it, what worries me i guess is that it feels like well they're still working on it and yet they're saying they're going to release it in six weeks yeah. and that does say it doesn't me with confidence so I I think that for Java 9 to be adopted right you know if it does get released in July there's gonna be a slow a very slow adoption process and Mm -hmm. because people need to gain the confidence before they're gonna start deploying production applications in it Um, but it it, it has got some nice features uh, and there's other features there is
1: quite a long list of features but um, I mean I was sort of planning on going through some of them but we're a bit pressed for time, I think. So maybe we'll stick up on a blog post or something. But yeah. I must admit, I'm. I mean, I'm more miserable about these things than you <laughs> are. You, you, you like new toys, and I and I just see this stuff as things that are going to get in the way of, <laughs> of, of getting work done. Um, I, I must. I can't get excited about any of the, the, the. There's some small changes, some minor improvements, but we'll stick up on a blog post okay. a list of, and as see a lot of other blog posts out there already listing them so maybe maybe we don't need to do that
0: but and i guess part of what we'll do in our quick start course is actually we'll work through those and say well what are the things that are actually really useful for developers to know yeah and talk about those um there's there's going to be a lot of well i say a lot
1: but there's going to be improvements to things like garbage collection under the hood which i think are things to genuinely get excited about in new versions of java i wish they didn't tie the releases together i don't see a reason why they have to wait until a new version of the language to release a new version of the jvm you know they could they could release the garbage collection improvements they could probably release that two years ago without waiting for this but <laughs> that's the sort of thing i'm i'm, I'm interested in anything yes. that will improve performance at runtime is is a great thing so um let's leave java 9 to one side for <laughs> this week anyway what are you working on right now
0: so i'm currently in the middle of a course on time leaf. Yay! at last so i uh, <laughs> and, and i i've got to say i, I reasonably recently did your uh, spring boot course which is where you first mentioned timely but i think i promised to
1: do time leaf and it hasn't happened it hasn't happened so i thought right <laughs> well, i'm gonna pick up that thank challenge. you
0: that's good time leaf is great though isn't it it's oh. a simple change to do you know, it, workflow. it's interesting. So having been using JSP for a while, so for those who are not aware, this is a uh, a system for allowing you to create your views in an MVC application, particularly aimed at Spring, but you can use TimeLeaf with other technologies as really? well. Really? Okay. Yes, Good. so uh, it, it's not just it, it's Spring. It's part but
1: of the Spring ecosystem, isn't it? Is. It? So it is. It's a, a direct replacement for JSPs, which is... Oh, I mean, I'm very embarrassed that... It, we we have a lot of courses that cover that that cover web development generally, but we use JSPs a lot. But in no way have we ever liked JSP. It 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 totally sucks as a technology. <laughs> it is it
0: oh. Uh, I hope I've made my feelings clear I, on that I think you have and and I I agree with you that time leaf is a pleasure to use in comparison to JSP and it is a it, it's basically just Xhtml so it's regular HTML. It is. And this is the big advantage of TimeLeaf, I think, is that it is standard HTML. Everything to do with TimeLeaf is additional attributes to existing HTML. Absolutely. Which means that you can load up your TimeLeaf files in a browser outside of an application and see what they would look like. Which has the
1: important benefit that you can round trip your design with a... HTML designer absolutely so you've met you've added some code to your view but there's still no problem with sending that to your designers who are in some fancy design studio in Hoxton <laughs>
0: Which I realise this this, we're very UK centric here. What would the equivalent in New York be? I have no idea, but it's the kind of place where everyone's got a beard. Yeah, and uh, yes, and uh, yes. Um, So you can send it to them. They can make design
1: changes. It doesn't break your code. They they can look at it in whatever the equivalent of Dreamweaver is these days. Does that still exist? And I have to be candid here that um, you know we eat our own dog food at Virtual Pair Programmers. We develop. Our own website using the technologies that we teach. And one of the reasons why perhaps sometimes our website design gets a little bit messy from time to time is we have developed using, it's not quite JSP, but a very similar version of JSP. And it has meant it's been very difficult for us to keep the design well designed while we're doing coding updates as well. So, oh, I just. Yeah. Time
0: leaf absolutely is a f- XhtML. Yes yeah. so, so, I... so yeah so there's t- and there's two sides to it. there's you, you, you get your HTML and CSS files from the designer and it's your job to start integrating those into your application straightforward job. Um, yes, you've got to learn the time leaf attributes and how they work, but it's really quite pleasurable. Yeah. Um, or you can build your application and then send your HTML files to the designer afterwards and say, "Make these look pretty," and they can do Absolutely. that. Absolutely, it works in both directions. Absolutely. Um, so, and it's it's interesting, I think, because it's a more. The, the, With JSP, you get all these taglibs. So there's all sorts of taglibs you could add in. They disappear. Completely, everything is built into TimeLeaf. But that does mean that there's quite a lot of attributes to learn about uh, that do different things. and so that's so it's going to be a you know it's not going to be a one hour course I'm guessing it's going to be more like three uh, just to go through it in a bit of detail and what I'm hoping to do at the very end is to have two practical exercises one to convert a JSP application probably only with a couple of pages but to get the experience of converting JSP to TimeLeaf yep. because that helps you if you've been a JSP developer really get to grips with the differences and how to work in a more TimeLeaf way mm-hmm. and. Then also, I think I'm going to do a little example as well, where you've got a standard, nicely designed HTML page, yep. and you're going to integrate the Time Leaf code. Fantastic. Um, so I'm so I'm about halfway through scripting that at the moment. I'm really, I love these sorts of things, as you know, Richard. Yeah,
1: I, I've wanted to do Time Leaf for a long time, but it's just one of those things that kept falling off the bottom of the to-do list, and. You know, it is bad that our live website uses JSP, but the reason for that is we've got a lot of legacy there, and we we have considered porting it to XHTML for years now, and it's just one of those things that it's, it is going to be painful, isn't it, to do that?
0: It is. And actually, what I'm not sure about, and I'm, sh- I'm sure it can be done, but I just don't know how you do it. Is at this stage, is having an application where you are, some pages are in TimeLeaf and some are in JSP where oh, you sure. can run both together. Oh, absolutely. So you it's, can do a gradual migration. Yeah, there, but, it's just a Spring MVC.
1: If it's an MVC app, you have a view resolver, you do, uh, which yes. makes a decision of how is this
0: view going to be rendered. Right. So it's an, it's an easy job to do. So we can do that. But... I guess it's uh, the, the, the reason why I've said I don't know how you do it is because, at least in Spring Boot, not so in a standard Spring MVC application, there's no configuration. So yeah. having TimeLeaf on your class bar, is all you need. Sure. You don't write yeah. any code that yeah. says this. Is, you know how in a, in JSP, you have to put in a couple of lines in your application properties that says the location of your files yeah. and the fact they've got JSP ending, don't have that in TimeLeaf. Yeah, so it's it's all, standard. It's automatic
1: so, configuration. Yeah. Until you want to do something clever like mixing JSP yes. and HTML, so it's so. obviously
0: doable. So yeah. Um, fantastic, yeah, and it, it's it's a really pleasurable experience. So so I'm doing that, and actually, uh, we, our oldest course today at the moment is Java web development. Yes, it, it's the I say it's our oldest course. We started with Spring fundamentals, but we revamped that course. since. Yeah. so and actually we've had a it's still a very popular course yeah and so my—it really it is, it is but my thinking is that once i've finished time leave i'd like to then look at that re bring that up to date yeah. and I know we've promised we have a number of customers ask us for the, the final bit of the Wildfly series which is J S F which you know Richard for those who can't tell from his noises uh. he's making is is not a fan. But the fact is people are using it and yeah. this is a you're... this is a very much a,
1: a tightrope that we walk in this business, that we're enthusiasts for new technology, and we want to use the latest, greatest, shiny things. And I know our cust- many of our customers share that as well. But equally, we're also serving an audience of people who, um, probably still enthusiasts, but they're working on projects where they're having to use. Le- I'm gonna. I am gonna call JSF legacy. I'm sorry if that yes. offends anybody, but <laughs> um, it's certainly legacy on any of my projects, um, and we 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 want to serve those people as well. So. You know, we're not going to say, hey, we're never going to cover JSF. It's there in the... We we have it in the, we had it in the old library under the Java EE course, and we should probably have it. But I don't want virtual pair programs to be seen as an advocate for <laughs> a technology like JSF, which I think is just horrendously broken. I, it's it, horrible.
0: I think what we'll do is a light touch on it. But I, yeah. I mean, one of the things I don't know yet, and it'll be interesting to see, is whether you can use TimeLeaf with Java EE, because it's not just to say a Spring project, and if you can... JSF uses uh, Facelets, which is a direct equivalent,
1: Is it's HTML. Right. Um, it's possible actually that Time Leaf might have even been inspired by Facelets, so I think Facelets possibly came first.
0: Right. Um, so it's... Yeah. I know one of our customers has asked us whether we'll be covering as part of that when we get to it, Prime Faces. Uh, which I know nothing about. I've had a very quick look just so I could answer him. It was
1: in the... Uh, the so, the, just in case everybody doesn't know, we used to have a course on Java EE 6, I think yes. it was, which we've retired now. But a large part of that Java EE 6 course was JSF, and we covered Prime Faces on that. Oh, so, right. And it, it, it's just a plug-in library that that gives you extra components, basically. Oh. Like fancy tables.
0: and. I see. It's a, go,
1: it's, yeah. a nice, it's a nice library, but... And it is probably one of the compelling reasons to use JSF if you if you really want to go down that route. Um,
0: yeah, I don't so, like JSF. No, well, I, I will I will get it through just to finish off that series, because we do have people asking for it. But Great. Um, what, what are you working on? Well, I'm supposed to be working on Docker, which has been announced, but we haven't put a date on
1: it. And I've already had uh, several customers saying, when is it going to be released? So I'm, I'm sorry, as usual, I'm running late. I, what I'm actually working on, um, we are doing a major upgrade of the back end of our website. So the, the changes should not be obvious to customers. It's, it's a structural thing that we're doing. Uh, we're, we're trying to make everything more microservice and we're, we're just improving everything that we do on the back end. Unfortunately, that's led us into some pretty nasty problems. Uh, we use Grails for the website. Oh, you've admitted it. (laughs) Yeah, which we loved at first, but less so now. We were on a very old version of Grails, which needed updating, and upgrading Grails has been an intense pain. So maybe on a future podcast we'll talk about Grails and why, why do we not have a course on Grails would be a good subject for a future podcast, but we don't have a course on Grails and we're probably not going to have a course on Grails
0: Matt is nodding at this point or yeah, yes, with, no,
1: maybe. without
0: Without trying to take away from the conversation we might have at a future podcast, I don't think there's the demand out there for sure. it. Absolutely. Unfortunately. I agree. Um,
1: but we are using Grails at least for the at least for the short term. So I'm working on that. Big apologies that Docker is still in development. Where are we now? We're in May. I would hope it's released in June but I'll, 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 I'll go into no further detail than that. It won't be a big course. I'm intending it to be a relatively gentle introduction to Docker, um, and and, and we'll, we'll tie it into the microservice course as well, so we'll show how you can use Docker in a microservice environment, but um, there's a lot of work still to do on it, I'm afraid.
0: And will there be more in that microservices track to go after Docker? Yes. Um, well, yes and no, really.
1: What we're... I can proudly announce that tonight we are attending a, a set... The, is it the Leeds Java Virtual Machine Group or something? I think it is, yes. So um, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be going to that. And it's a, a talk on reactive technologies. So the, it's a massive omission that we have nothing in our library on reactive. It's a huge topic. that, And, and you know, we, we've been keen advocates of it for a long time even before we, we'd heard the word reactive, you know, we, it, it's a, it is a fundamental principle of, of, a, of, a, of a well-designed system. We need some material on it. Whether that becomes part of the microservice track, I'm not sure, but we're certainly gonna have material on reactive. And um, what we'll do possibly on the next podcast is we'll, we'll report back on, on what we did at the reactive night.
0: Tonight. Yes, look, I'm looking forward to that. We we go to quite we try and go to as many of these meetups as I guess they're called as we can. We we're based in uh, Leeds in the north of England, and there's quite a few here and in some of the other local towns, particularly Manchester. And, and it's true across the whole world as well, is. isn't
1: it? It's you
0: can it, if there's one near you and you've never been. And I really recommend them because it's a great way to find out about technologies that you've never come across before or. Hear from people who've used stuff in a different way to the way you've used it, and have people tend to talk about the problems they've experienced and how they got around them. And I, yeah. I think that's a. So just go to meetup.com
1: and uh, and we'll we'll include a link in the show notes. Okay, We're <laughs> having show notes, are we? <laughs> well, we haven't thought about that, but there will be show notes.
0: Okay. Should we be subtitling this? Uh, I will leave that one for you to decide. So, uh, Quite possibly. We, this sounds like we're getting to the end. If we're starting to talk about the way podcasts work, yes, which is are. where we started, we're getting we will obviously get to the are. end we're, of this one. We're laying so. for an
1: hour on each one, and we're up to about 55 minutes now, so oh, it feels oh, like the right time to wrap up. So possibly then, podcast number two will be all about Reactive.
0: <laughs> okay, well, you've made that commitment, Richard, so well done, and we'll hold you to that. <laughs> That's
1: another commitment I'm going to break. <laughs> so just like my time leave commitment. So um, I think we're, we're about out of steam. Yeah, well, if you've stayed with us, thank you
0: for listening. Yeah, thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next time. Just before you close off, Richard, close your ears, because I know you're going to hate me saying this, but if you have any feedback, please do send us a little message through our website would be great um and especially if you've got ideas of things we could be talking about i think that might be nice for us to hear and i get to see those messages and i filter them for richard does so that's the plan (laughs) thank you anyway and hopefully see you next time